morning. We're glad that you're here. I'm Kevin. Welcome. Um, we also have a church that's meeting right now in Lebanon. We have a pastor, Pastor Chris, and his wife are leading our church there. So we welcome Lebanon and whoever else is watching online. But we're glad that you're here, and we are in the middle of a sermon series called Dangerous Prayers. And just so we're clear, last week I used an analogy that was talking about Iron Man. We have a youth pastor here who thinks that I don't understand pop culture. So he does take pictures in the middle of the service on purpose, not because he's distracted, but he puts stuff out on social media. So Iron Man, the reference of Iron Man that I was talking about, is a swim for 2.4 miles. It's a run and a bike. You actually swim first 2.4 miles, you bike for 112 miles, and then you run for 26.2 miles, and people actually choose to do this. And I referenced this last week, and so in the middle of it, I must have lost him because he put this out on social media that I didn't know who Iron Man was, that this is Iron Man. I do know who Iron Man is. I'm well-versed in pop culture, y'all, I promise you. Billy Graham used to say you should read the Bible and your paper at the same time and you should know what's going on in our world, but I do know who Iron Man is. So Pastor JJ, there you go. I know it's Tony Stark, played by Robert Downey Jr., and he's the new Superman and all that stuff. The question that I asked two weeks ago was this. Are you tired, are you listening, of praying the same boring, safe prayer? Some of you may pray pray plural prayers. God, keep us safe as we travel. Lord, bless this food. And then there's no real depth beyond that. There's no variation beyond that. I'm challenged myself with this. Sometimes you're in a restaurant, you're like, should we pray, should we not pray? We don't want to look too, you know. So, So what do we do with prayer? And so Two weeks ago, we started with the first dangerous prayer right out of Psalm 139 where David said, Lord, search me. And he asked this question at the end of already declaring in Psalm 139 that God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, he's ever-present, and then he gets to the end while he's being chased by his boy's father. David's been promised to be the king. The other king who is currently reigning is trying to kill David. His son's best friend, David, And David gets to the end of that and he says, search me. Check my heart here, Lord. I don't think I did anything wrong. I didn't ask to be the king. You told me to be the king. But I'm not sure why Jonathan's dad is trying to kill me. So just so we're clear, I need you to check my heart and make sure I'm in a good place. Last week, a little more difficult prayer. Break me. Break addictions in me, break dependence on me, break the love of myself, break my, yes, I want to have self-confidence, but Lord, I need you to break me of all dependency on anything other than you. Well, I'm an athlete, see, so I, I've worked hard, so I, Lord, I need you to break me. Well, I've worked very hard in my job, so I've, I've achieved a certain level of success. Lord, I need you to break me. I need you to break me so I have nothing, no other firm foundation outside of you. I wonder how many of us are willing to pray that prayer. Today will be shorter, by the way, again, which no one has complained about. No one has complained about that. 
And Cindy, I know you weren't here last week, but I promise you, no one has complained about the fact that these are shorter. They're shorter on purpose because if we're going to talk about prayer and I'm going to preach on prayer, I want to give you an opportunity in this service to pray at the end today again. So everybody can say, hallelujah, shorter message again. Yes. I'll wake you all up in a little bit. The snow, I don't know. We're in Jonah. We're going to look at a few Old Testament characters today as we now get to Lord, search me, search my heart, check, make sure I'm good. Lord, break me, now probably my favorite. Lord, send me. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of A-M-I-T-T-A-I. No idea how you pronounce that, not even going to try to fake it. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah... Verse 1 said, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. But Jonah, in verse 2, ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went up or went down to Joppa. He found a ship bound for that port. After paying for the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. You know the rest of the story. There's a storm. Jonah gets tossed off the ship. He's swallowed up by a whale. Half of us believe that. Maybe half of us don't think it's actually possible that this happened. I choose to believe it is. Here's Jonah's response. Here am I, Lord, but I'm not going. Here I am, Lord. Nope, not going. Verse 1, but I heard the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Not going. That's response number one. Jonah decides he's going to run away from God. Here's a different character in the Old Testament. We're in Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. Take off your pumas, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, you remember this amazing scene. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. This is that moment where Moses sort of realizes what's going on, but he doesn't. And it's just this incredible, he's in the presence of almighty God. This bush is burning. Moses is there. And they have a little conversation, and in verse 9 it continues. God says, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the Egyptians. They are being oppressed. My people, the Israelites, are being oppressed by the Egyptians. So now, Moses, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh, and I want you to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. First scenario, Jonah. I heard the word of the Lord, not going. Nah, I don't think I'm in for that. Second person, Moses. Here I am, Lord, powerful moment. This is you right in front of me, an all-consuming God in a bush without burning the bush, but he's consuming it. And Moses' response is, here I am. You got to send somebody else because I'm not qualified to do this. I don't speak well enough. I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. I'm not into church that much. 
So God, I'm going to need you to get someone else. I've been called to be a teacher. I've been called to work in a hospital. I've been called to just go to middle school. So God, listen, that's a great story. Not for me. You're going to need to go get somebody else. I believe in you. I see that you're real. I'm not really into that. Get someone else. It's quiet. Third Old Testament character. We're in Isaiah. It gets gooder. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Here's another powerful, holy moment. A collision where a human meets the presence of Almighty God. I in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. Are you picturing this? And the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah's in a quandary. Isaiah's in a quandary because the king has reigned pretty good for 52 years. For 52 years, these people have been able to rely on the wisdom and the, the leadership of this king, and he is now encountering God in a moment where the kings died. Above him were seraphim, that's fiery angel beings, each with six wings, don't lose me. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. There is a parallel passage to this in Revelation chapter 4. It's the only two places where we see holy, 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 holy God, holy Jesus, holy spirit. And, and Isaiah's looking at this like, what in the world? It's like he lacks the words to describe this encounter of what's going on in this moment with this amazing God. They had to cover their faces because they couldn't. The angelic beings, God is so holy, the angelic beings couldn't even look at the glory and the magnitude and the awesomeness of God. I mean, that was their job. They were just to fly around and just to talk about holy, 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 and they couldn't even take it. That's amazing. Listen to the rest of this scripture. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. The Shekinah glory of God has settled in. And Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah didn't go, oh, there's God. And God, hey, by the way, I'm amazing too. You created me. I'm awesome. Isaiah looks in this moment at this incredible, awesome, amazing, he can't even describe it, and he is undone. Holiness drives you to recognize your own filth. When you look at the majesty of an incredible holy God and you are just, in some passages it says, he goes, I'm just undone. I got nothing. I can't even speak. I don't even want to look at him. I don't even want to see his face. And yet I'm drawn to it. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. From the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin has been atoned for. 
And here it is. Spoiler. Here we go. Ready? Then I heard the Lord of the voice saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Jonah, here I am, Lord. I'm not going. Moses, here I am, Lord. You got to send somebody else, man. Isaiah, completely unraveled and undone in this moment in the presence of a holy God. And he goes, okay, I'm in. Send me. Why? Because you're perfect, Isaiah? No. Why? Because you're the best athlete? No. Why? Because you're the best looking? You're the smartest? You got the most money? You got the... No, Lord, I got nothing. But you called, and you're so holy, and you're so amazing, and if this is your idea, this whole thing rests on you and who you are, so if you want to send somebody... Amen. Send me. It was July 14th, 2018. And this is the last picture that our family took at Eastern Mennonite University. We had just finished basketball camp, which means nothing to most of you. We'd had about 1,000 people on our campus that weekend, 46 teams, a lot of people playing basketball. And we had already, before this moment, before this picture, some of you know this story, we had already said yes to this crazy guy who said, I want you to go with me to Pennsylvania. Well, what do you want me to do, Pastor Kerry? He was our former pastor. He was coming up here to be a pastor to pastors. What do you want us to do, Pastor Kerry? I don't really know, Kevin. I just want you to go home and I want you to talk to your wife and I want you to pray about this. Well, what's the job description? I don't know. I don't have one yet. So wait, you want me to sell my house, walk away from a successful basketball coaching career, tell my wife who's making more money than me, who's just had a promotion, and my two kids, we're going to go with you to Pennsylvania to help people at churches, and that's the only thing you know. That's it. Okay, so, so it's July 14th, it's 2018, and we take this picture. Now, what's interesting is when I talked to Ruth about this this week, she said, actually, this started right after we got married because we were living in New Jersey. We had a three-month-old. We had not sold our home, and I got called to this job. And we knew nothing. We, she didn't have a job. We had, a, we had Jasmine, who was three months old, and all we knew was that God was calling us and saying, we need you guys to go to Virginia. None of what I'm saying to you today is to pat Kevin and Ruth on the back. I'm just wanting you to know, if I'm going to preach about this stuff to you, I want you to know, I've had to live this. And I still have to pray this prayer. Not just, Lord, search me. Not, Lord, just break me. Okay, God, where do you want us to go? We want you to go with Pennsylvania. What do you want us to do? I don't know. So July 14th, 2018, this is the last picture. Isn't Jeremiah cute? There was two other things that happened after this moment that night. We left that night knowing that this whole world was going to be behind us, not knowing what was to come. We had no intention. It was not on my bucket list. Hey, maybe we'll go to Ephrata, and they'll think that it would be a great idea to hire a basketball coach to be the pastor. That was not the plan. In fact, I wasn't a pastor for two years. I was just working with Pastor Kerry, and I would go around and meet with all these people from these other churches, and it was great. I could fly under his radar. I I could go to help solve a problem and then leave. It was awesome. 
And then he contacts me and he says, listen, I don't know what to tell you, Kevin, but there's only one name the Lord keeps giving me, and it's your name to go be the pastor at the church you're attending. And do you know what I said? Nope. I said it repeatedly. I said, nope. We were sitting about a year and a half into after being up here. We're sitting at a seminar on a weekend. It's called a ministry assessment seminar. It's the first chance that Ruth and I had to hang out with Josiah and Liz. They were attending another church. They were still there that weekend. And all I can tell you is at the end of that weekend, uh, they were talking and they were saying, now, these are the things that you need to do to go into ministry. And I'm still like, I'm not going into ministry. And I remember in the last session sitting there, and I sobbed the most ugly sob and cry I've ever cried. Because I didn't know what was coming, but I knew in that moment God was saying, something else is coming. I need you to be open to it. And I remember Ruth looking at me like, are you okay? And I was just uncontrollably weeping. Because I knew I had to come face all of you. No, that's not it. So we're in Hilton Head, we're on vacation with friends of ours who are here today, and again, the text message, hey, I need you to start praying about this. Nope. This is not an easy thing. And I'm not asking you to feel bad for us. You guys have been amazing. The church has been incredible. We, we are growing. God's doing amazing, wonderful things here. I'm just telling you, are, I'm asking you, are you willing to pray that kind of prayer you mean God's going to call me to Africa or or Indonesia or I'm not saying he's going to do any of that he might just be asking you right where you're at in the job that you're at in the school that he's placed you in the hallways that you're walking down I'm just saying would you be willing to pray the prayer where you would say to God in an all-out surrender what do you want me to do where do you want me to go now this isn't easy and I'm going to show you how hard it really is This is a scene of Jesus as he's getting ready to send his guys out two by two, talking to them about what's about to happen. Watch this. You said if anyone will not listen to our words. What words exactly? What are we supposed to teach? Anything you've ever heard from me. I've only ever heard the one sermon You heard the best one, anyway. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're (laughs) all so good. Uh Uh-huh. That message was not just for the thousands that were there. It was for all who will hear it from now until the end of the age. How will they know it, you ask? Good question. Thanks for asking. You will tell them. And the places you will go are places I will soon go. So you are preparing the way for my arrival and helping ensure that more people are ready to hear the good news. The miracles you'll perform on God's authority will prove my ministry. Suppose we hit a bad streak and several towns in a row reject us, maybe for days. How are we to eat? What if it gets bad? Like, like it has with John. Listen carefully, all of you. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. So 
you're saying we could die. There will come a time when this will become far more difficult. When persecution is an ever-present part of your ministry. When that time comes, you will follow in my footsteps and you will know what it actually means to give up your life. If you've not watched that, you should go back and watch that scene. One of the most beautiful things in that scene is that that's Peter's wife serving everybody. And she's listening because she knows what's coming. He, the master, is calling my husband to go. Wow. Because your call isn't just about you. It's going to impact a lot of other people. There will come a time when persecution will be an ever-present part of your ministry. And you will follow in my footsteps and know what it actually means to give up your life. Do you know that the prophet Isaiah, most people believe, was sawed in half? 11 of the 12 sitting around that table died gruesome deaths. So search me. We can probably pray that. Break me. Okay. Send me. Send me. Light your world. That's a tough one. Because we don't even know what we're doing and where we're going. And the one disciple asked, what are we supposed to say? You just tell him everything I've showed you. You tell him everything I've talked about. You just go and you share me with a hurting world. I love in the scene that follows this, and they take a little bit of liberty to do this. But they have a character, little James, who approaches Jesus with a limp. And he says, you want me to go heal people? And Jesus says, yeah. He's like, but I'm not healed. <laughs> are you crazy, Jesus? You want people at Grace Point who are broken to go and minister to a broken world? Yeah. But I'm not in ministry like Kevin. I know. He's got a great seminary degree. <laughs> Send me. Here's how we're going to close one final scripture. Revelation. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center throne. Picture this. Encircled by four living creatures and elders, the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden 
bowls of incense before the lamb. What was in the golden bowls? The prayers of his people. What's the aroma in your life and in your home, in your car? What are the prayers that you're praying that will be placed in a golden bowl and held before the throne? Bless me, give me more money. Search me, God. Break me, God. Send me wherever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, however you want to do it. Here it is, Lord. I'm yours. I was reminded this week by a pastor friend of mine who said, you probably are going to forget most of the prayers that you pray yourself. But God the Father never forgets a single prayer. They are as an aroma presented to him in a golden bowl. Wow, should that not help our faith. Here's what I want you to do. We're just going to pause. And there are pens and note cards everywhere in here. I wonder if you'd write your own prayer today. Maybe it's a prayer of praise. Maybe it's a prayer of God, I'm in trouble and I need your help. Maybe it's just a prayer of faith. Maybe you want to pray one of the three that we've talked about so far. Search me. Break me. Send me. Maybe you want to just write down a prayer from Scripture. Are you sick of praying the same tired, boring, lame stuff day after day after day? Wouldn't it be great today if you just came clean and you wrote an honest, gut-wrenching, I don't care what you write to him, he can take it. In fact, he wants to take it. You can beat on his chest. All of you come from different places today. I just want to invite you and encourage you. We have pens and note cards everywhere. You can come, you can get a pen, you can get a paper, you can go in the prayer room and do it. We have it in there. They're in the back. Just take a few minutes. And would you write a prayer? And then we're going to come and we're going to place them in the golden bowls as an offering of incense to the one who sits on the throne. Stand with me. You may move. Come. And then I'll lead us in prayer in just a few minutes.